from Wyoming Public Media. This, this, this is this is spoken 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 words spoken words. This is spoken words. I'm Micah Schweitzer. And there's this moment in Murder on the Fly where an Iranian family moves into Potrero Hill. And of course, Potrero Hill in San Francisco is settled by immigrants. It's Eastern European as well as some, you know, a lot of Irish and some Germans, some Slavs, some Czechs. And the funny part, or the ironic part, is when this Iranian family moves in, the, the response is, well, who are these people moving into our place? This time we hear from Jeffrey Lockwood. He's an award-winning author and University of Wyoming professor of natural sciences and humanities. Lockwood has authored numerous articles, science books, and creative nonfiction works of a meditative nature. And now he's turned his hand to mystery writing, finishing work on a series featuring Riley the Exterminator, a character imagined from Lockwood's first profession. You know, I began in entomology here at the University of Wyoming 30 years ago, and my job was to figure out better, faster, more efficient ways of killing very large numbers of insects, in particular rangeland grasshoppers. But with time, you know, you, you kind of reflect on what you're doing and you start thinking about all the creatures that you've killed and whatnot. And, you know, and you start trying to imagine. And, of course, I'd always enjoyed both fiction and nonfiction. And, you know, Richard Carney, a philosopher, said that... Uh, Stories are more important than food because we eat in order to live, but we live in order to tell stories. And really, that's how we make sense of our lives. So, you know, I started imagining if I was a story, who would my character be? And at first I thought maybe an assassin. But then I really enjoyed reading noir mysteries, you know, Raymond Chandler and, you know, the old school mysteries as well as newer noir uh, material. And, and I began to see these interesting connections between the darkness of the noir anti-hero in Philip Marlowe or, or Sam Spade. And what I was doing as an applied entomologist, you know, there's a kind of honesty, a kind of brutality, but a kind of necessity that comes into this world. And, and some people get paid to take care of pests, whether they have two legs or six legs. And, and so my imagine, imagination went in the direction of murder and went in the direction of mysteries. In Poisoned Justice, published in 2016, and Murder on the Fly, which just came out this year, Lockwood immerses readers in compelling stories of murder and mystery featuring pest extermination and forensic entomology, and all centering around the main character, Riley. What I've got going right now is a three-book contract, so we're going to get at least three stories involving this one main character, Cedric Vladimir Riley, and it's sort of an inside joke for entomologists because C.V. Riley, Charles Valentine Riley, was by far the most important and famous American entomologist of the 1800s. So there's a little wink and a nod to my to my entomological uh, uh, colleagues there. So my character, uh, Riley, he goes by Riley, uh, is a first-generation Irish immigrant, kind of adheres to old-world values, right? and. And he's living at a time and a place where old world values are pretty tough to hang on to. So he's, he's in late 1970s San Francisco. And so we've got, you know, summer of love. We've got uh, the world turning over. He's still trying to figure out what the women's movement means. So Riley's a little bit bewildered by, by his time and place. But he, 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 was, he was not a good kid. He was uh, kind of a ruffian, um, got into trouble with the law, and at one point uh, stole a car, got caught, and the judge gave him a a choice. You know, he could either go into the military or he could uh, go into the police academy if they would have him. And he chose the police academy, figuring 
that he had a lower chance of getting killed. And so he became a cop. Now, his two passions, you know, his two non-police passions are a passion for classical music that he obtained through his mother and a passion for insect collecting that he got from his father. And, and he was in conflict a lot with his father, but um, the one thing they had in common was this love for collecting insects. His father had been uh, part of the mosquito control units in World War II, which played a, a hugely important role in the battles in the Pacific. So he came back with all these wonderful insects from, from tropical areas, and he and Riley would go out and collect. And so when Riley became a cop, he became interested in forensic entomology, the use of insects and the solving of crimes. Um, you know, most famously, you know, the use of insects in dating, as well as determining the time and cause of a death. So he kind of became the department's uh, de facto forensic entomologist. And at that time, you know, the police weren't getting along so well with the entomologist at UC Berkeley, you know, he kind of had a little conflict going on there. So Riley got, got thrown most of those cases and he made detective, but his whole world turned upside down um, shortly after his father dies in an accident. Uh, Riley is, is angry and he comes across a kidnapper, a guy who had kidnapped a child and the guy won't tell where the child is and the child needs medicine. And so Riley beats the information out of him. He's seen doing this and it turns out that the kidnapper dies of the beating Riley gives him. So Riley is, is driven from the police force and then takes over his father's pest control business. So he's a, he's a cop turned exterminator, but he still has this interest, of course, in being a private investigator, but he can't get a license because he pled guilty to a felony. And so he can't get a license as a private investigator. So he does that on the side, on the sly. Uh, he refers to it as, as his two-legged pest management service. So that's how we end up with a with an exterminator private investigator in 1970s San Francisco. These mysteries take place in a world Lockwood has created through careful research, offering readers a rich sensory experience of the location, dialect, music, sports, news, food, and conversations that are part of life in 1970s and 80s San Francisco. And while Lockwood's stories are well-crafted and pleasurable to read, they also present an opportunity to consider some pretty big philosophical questions. You know, one of the reasons why I love writing, you know, these, these murder mysteries is that they can be appreciated, or I hope they can be appreciated at, at multiple levels. You can just read them as a story. Or you can start thinking about some of the issues that are raised, right? So in Poison Justice, the issue is philosophical. What is this difference between vengeance and justice and things like capital punishment, things like imprisonment, things like retribution or retributive justice, things like taking responsibility for doing wrongs and for and for you know, uh, balancing the scale of justice. Can we rely on institutional structures uh, to provide us with justice? You know, some people say that you know, that's one of the things that we've done is we've exchanged our capacity for revenge in exchange for a civilized society in which we, we hope, we seek, we, we want there to be justice through this social structure. But what happens when it fails? What happens when it, it doesn't deliver justice? You know, I was trying to work through that. I, I don't, I don't know, right? I, I honestly um, am struggling along with Riley. You know, and some people, readers have said they've been shocked at the end when Riley does what he does, and I won't give that away. Um, but that's part of my, of, of my wondering. You know, you can't not write yourself into a character, especially a main character. 
And then in Murder on the Fly, yeah. You know, what does, you know, I've, I've, I've long struggled with this sort of uh, psychological, spiritual, cultural meaning of what it, what it takes to belong somewhere. And belonging is complicated, right? And crossing borders is, is complicated. Being an alien in a place is complicated. Being an immigrant is complicated. But in a sense, all of us have immigrant pasts. Everybody comes from a, a lineage of immigrants. And there's this moment in Murder on the Fly where an Iranian family moves into Potrero Hill. And of course, Potrero Hill in San Francisco is settled by immigrants. It's Eastern European as well as some, you know, a lot of Irish and some Germans, some Slavs, some Czechs. And the funny part, or the ironic part, is when this Iranian family moves in, the, the response is, well, who are these people moving into our place? <laughs> you know, and that, that impression is being given by a bunch of people you know, who are one or two generations removed from having arrived at that place, but suddenly, right, they, they see that as, as their place and they belong there and who are these other people. And so I, you know, having moved to Wyoming and, and I've been here for 30 years, you know, do I belong here? Is, is, do I belong in the Laramie Valley? Do I belong in academia? Sometimes I feel like I, I'm, uh, I'm an intruder. Sometimes it feels like I belong you know, in this community or that community, and and what does it take to belong to a, to a family, to a community, to a town, to a region, to a nation? As readers get caught up in the story, they soon discover Lockwood hasn't taken off his teaching cap. You know, and I like sneaking science in, tidbits about natural history and little bits about insects and little bits about pest management and what insects are doing what. I actually think that sometimes maybe science, you know, we, everyone decries that, you know, we're scientifically illiterate and nobody knows science. And I think that's oftentimes because scientists are such terrible writers and storytellers. There's wonderful stories of, you know, embedded in science and, and wonderful characters having four and six legs. But, but those stories aren't, you know, aren't often told and they're not told in ways that are engaging. And so, you know, the, the story of scraping a, a dead animal from the bottom of a dumpster and what that means in terms of diagnosing a pest situation, you know, is something that uh, where, you know, you have a chance to teach people a little bit about insect ecology without them really recognizing that they're being taught anything about science at all. Here's a taste of what readers can expect from Jeffrey Lockwood's newest book, Murder on the Fly. In this scene, Riley is joined by the members of his pest management crew at their favorite bar after work. The conversation is between Riley and Larry, a Vietnam vet who now works for Riley as an exterminator. California is experiencing a Mediterranean fruit fly invasion that concerns farmers and government officials alike, both for the potential devastation to crops and the economy, and for the general suspicion that it's been caused by an act of bioterrorism. That day, the crews just cleaned maggots from a restaurant's dumpsters, and this gives Larry an idea that the maggots should be renamed meat flies. There was a kind of logic to his observation. People would be even more disgusted if that's what we called them, he suggested. Hmm, could be good for business, I noted with a satisfied swig. Good point. Given how crazy things have become with the medfly infestation, people might go nuts if we told them they had meat flies buzzing around the kitchen. Uh, now, there's a good name to get the public hyped, he said, draining his can and catching the eye of a cute but off-limits waitress to order another. Medfly sounds like some sort of medical condition. Re re remember that granny 
We found when working the extermination job in the Sunnydale projects, the old lady with the maggots. Yeah, bed sores weren't bad enough. Damn, I wish we could have done something more than calling public health, I said, trying to push back the image of the woman with the fly larvae wriggling in the rotting flesh on her hip. And I couldn't forget the teary-eyed kid who took us to her and asked if we could spray his grandma. Ah, maybe we should have sprayed her, Larry said. Couldn't have been much worse than having maggots eating your ass. The waitress bought a sweating can of beer, which he set on a coaster, an endearing touch of class. They used medfly to shorten the name of the Mediterranean fruit fly, I said, trying to change the subject back to something less dismal. I've caught some news stories which make it sound like we're in a six-legged version of Apocalypse Now, and that was one messed up movie. He took a long swig, belched quietly out of respect for the ambiance, and continued. Uh, but Coppola came close to the insanity that a lot of people would like to think. Somehow, Larry always found a way back into the shadows, or maybe it was just an unwavering honesty about the world. We'll know more about the end of California agriculture on Thursday, I offered. Oh, that's right. Well, we're supposed to go to that fancy meeting. Oh, a day in a hotel ballroom listening to officials in suits. Who wouldn't know Malathion from malaria? It sounds great, Riley. Thanks for signing us up. Fine. If you want to get on that cockroach job in the public toilets along Pier 39 and hobnob with the tourists while I sit through a few presentations and then grab a first-class lunch and wash it down with something better than the swill you're drinking... It's your call. I knew the vermin wasn't an issue, but Larry couldn't stand tourists. Well, <clears throat> well, now that you mention it, I think a morning of educational lectures would be a fine way to update my already extensive knowledge, Larry said, tilting his head back and taking a last swig from the upturned can. After all, I'm something of an expert on better killing through chemistry. Having spent a month loading Agent Orange into C-123s in NAM, a sortie of those dudes could scorch something like three square miles in under five minutes. Big problems need big solutions. Put the U.S. Army onto the medflies, and that's the end of the story. I hear the USDA is planning something along those lines, I said. Taking a page from the training manual at Orkin and Terminex. They're like mobsters from the 20s, spraying a cafe with machine guns to get rid of one guy at the back table. No finesse, no skill. No class, I grumbled. Uh, no pride, Larry said, crushing the empty can. I had a bud who was a sniper, something like 60 kills in one tour. He knew his targets, how they moved, where they pissed. No pride in dropping napalm, he mused. Jeffrey Lockwood reading from Murder on the Fly. This episode was produced by Teo Basquiat. I'm Micah Schweitzer. Spoken Words is a collaboration between the University of Wyoming's MFA in Creative Writing Program, in which Jeff Lockwood teaches, and Wyoming Public Media.